Stassmeister, brother, fell off the connex onto the concrete on his face. He's uh, en route with a, in the ambulance right now. We want to pray for him. Andrew, excuse me. Andrew Stassmeister fell off the top of a connex onto his face on concrete. For that reason, he's going to Fairbanks in the ambulance. A little more information just came in. Drew was on a ladder up about eight feet. The ladder slid out from under him. He fell from that height. He was unconscious for about three to five minutes. He was awake and answering questions from the first responders. All we have for now. So. Lord God, we look to you, Lord, the mighty God who holds all things in your hand, that you would move on Andrew's behalf, Lord God, and strengthen him. Your holy angel, you'd send your holy angels to surround and protect him and keep him, even as they travel, Lord God. And we commit him into your faithful keeping in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. thinking of this one scripture somewhat today in Deuteronomy 8, 18. The first, the first half of the verse is often quoted. The second half is seldom quoted. It says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that giveth thee the power to get wealth. But it doesn't stop there. It's just a comma. Yeah. That he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Uh, the politicians have got a thing they said they don't want any unfunded mandates. Unfunded mandates. In other words, if you're going to pass a law, send some money to enforce it. Uh, God bankrolls what he's doing. He makes the way for it uh, as we see it this day. Uh, and we don't ever want to forget that. It wouldn't. It's possible to forget that, or it wouldn't keep saying, "Don't forget that." So yeah. that should be a good yeah. warning to us, yeah. Yeah. to remind us every day. So, all right, let's gather and worship or praise or whatever it is we do.
Okay. Yeah. By now, um, most of us are fairly sure that our Heavenly Father is looking uh, for change. The uh, the sedentary kind of uh, couch covenant, or I want to do what I want to do, or what I called one time a uh, logic-tight compartment Christianity, where you have God in a logic-tight compartment, but your life is in another compartment, and they don't really uh, have the merger. Uh, I'm very faithful to my God, but I'm more faithful to my own desires. And so we are... um, as we uh, look at that tonight, uh, we're in a, a major change. We talked about it some this morning, and, and that change uh, had to come. It, it really would have come uh, and, and did uh, seep through at different times. But uh, I, I called it... Uh, uh, some things, and I'll mention that, but when um, an illustration of it is this. When I was in high school, I I got my picture in the paper because I was a sophomore sensation. And uh, I liked that as a sophomore. But uh, a couple of days later, I was in the hospital. All the sensation was gone. I had broken a femur, uh, which they say is uh, just as painful as what a woman goes through having a child. And uh, I... Why don't you go home? (laughs) Well, I I want a little empathy out there today uh, at that time. But... um, so I went in, and they, they, they give you what they call then a, um, uh, they cut off all the, your feelings from your waist down, give you a, what? Spinal. A spinal. And anyway, the doctor was a uh, orthopedic surgeon, supposedly the best in the place. And I smelled a little alcohol on his breath because I've been around a lot of it, and I, I can, you know, a floating tongue, I've got a, I, at that time I had a very good sense of that. Anyway, it took a long time wrapping me up like a mummy and doing the cuts and the stuff, and they hauled me back in. I was in bed, and uh, kind of leaning back, and it's gorgeous. I was 17, 16 years old, I think, 16 or 17. And this gorgeous nurse, she was from uh, uh, Switzerland, uh, well, Austria, that area. And she was just beautiful, very soft and tender. And, uh, and I, I, it took me about three minutes to fall in love with her, you know. And, and then they came for me and they said, you know, we've got to go back in. You have to have your bone reset. And so I went back in, and the, the, the operation was still there on my, I mean, I, I didn't feel anything. Uh, 
but I could hear them moving the bone back. And they had to do the whole thing over again. And I want to tell you, and I've been talking to me about this, we're in a reset. God is not happy with us getting sequestered and probably, I mean, there's no question the accolades that have come to us in so many areas for the business things that uh, God has done. We're in a, I called it a, a wealth glut. And, and it's true. And the praise tonight, the, they're always looking forward when Whitestone, if, if it's just a handful, the, the praise reaches another level. God is doing wonderful things while he's rearranging our lives. Sufficient, I mean, it is overwhelming tonight. We, we could have stayed up or come down and spent most of the night praying for the needs that have come on at this time. And, and so I want to look at a few of those uh, tonight. Um, when, when, when Jesus was 12 years old, you know that he, he went on a three-day trip. It was just to be, a, you know, one day and the parents were going to be back, but he took three days and his mother, when she found him, said, why, you know, why did you do this? We were sorrowful. We didn't know. I mean, anybody who misses, even a 12-year-old, uh, I remember, I'm glad Nelson is not here tonight, but uh, he, he got uh, lost from us and, uh, in Filene's basement. And it wasn't very, and it wasn't long, but they, they called me over the phone and the lady had uh, had an accent, and she and I said, "Is, is my is my son here?" And there he was, right there, in the basement, in another different place. And she said, "He's broken-hearted. Look at this boy. He's broken-hearted." And you know, he he looked like he was a little scared. And Sister Betty and I, then we tried to lose him. We'd, you know, move fast, and we couldn't. I mean, he was with us. He stuck with us. And from that time on, we never had any problem. But you're in a whole new venture. Jesus, and I, I'm not overwhelmed with the lack of clarity there with what was said. But he had to go home with a sorrowful mother and the questioning mother and he, the Bible says that he stayed under them for, I mean, we know it was 17 years. And, and so uh, we, we're not finished. There's, there's no one in the room that has finished this. And, and I've said it several times, and it's worth repeating. There are a variety of growth levels here. Little, little babies and, and even some big ones here and there who haven't caught on. They still believe that they are their own. And because, this is so severe primarily because God is a consuming fire. Yeah. 
And he wants, he wants you all day, all night. He's not interested in a, in a part-time relationship. So you're on a reset. And when, 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 when Zacharias uh, was confronted by the angel Gabriel, Gabriel said something along this line, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. And he will be, and then he gave a, a short synopsis of what John the Baptist was going to do. And at the end of that time, uh, <laughs> there was a, a bit of a reset because uh, Zacharias was, he said, well, my wife and I are old and we're advanced in age. How, how will I know this? An angel, <laughs> the angel said to him, uh, he said, because I stand in the presence of God. How's that? Mm-hmm. And because I stand, I'm adding a line or two here, but nothing dangerous. Because I do, you will have a pregnant silence. It will be until that baby is is delivered, you will not be able to speak. And of course he was a high priest. It was a different thing. That's a reset. He there was a learning and and silence became uh, his you know <laughs> ever had anybody kind of wish somebody you could wish that on that maybe they would not be able to speak. The people didn't know for sure what that was all about. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 25, there's, there's a picture there of David in the wilderness, and he and his men were tending sheep. I preached this word a long time ago at Upsal, uh, you know, probably 30-some years ago. I didn't have a grip then, and I'm not so sure I have it fully uh, tonight. But I know a little bit more about the change that you need to have and that I must have. Because we must not stay where we have been. And I think even over the years, many times we leave a convention and then say, God, please. The ending prayer was, God, don't, don't leave me as I am. But, but we're partakers in that. Anyway, he was, he was out there with a the sheep, and uh, he was kind of thinking he was a protection agency because he, he said uh, to his men, go tell the uh, owner of the property that uh, we've been out here and we've worked with his men. We haven't... Uh, We've kind of looked over things, and uh, what would you think of, um, you know, giving us a little something for our time? He was on the run from from Saul, and uh, <laughs> and as you know, Abigail's uh, husband was not really a good guy, and so David, when he heard. I don't have any intention of, of doing anything for you guys. He was hell-bent for kill. 
He had his men and he split them in half. He said, some of you stay here. Nobody, there'll be nothing that pisses on the wall that's going to live. It's over. And so he was headed down to kill. And Abigail heard about it. And she gathered a couple of oxen and lots of uh, wine and food stuff for these men. And uh, she came out there. And she, you know, isn't it good when, when somebody gentle, and in her case, she was beautiful. And she, she looked up at him, and, and she said quite a bit. I'll read some of it, and we'll jump down to 27. You can look at all of it, those of you who haven't been there before. It's, it's a nice visit to an exciting uh, uh, change. He had a reset from a beautiful woman. And the word of God, she prophesied, she said, and now this blessing which thy handmaiden has brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. Pray thee, I try, thee forgive the trespasses of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make thy Lord a sure house because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil has not been found in thee in all thy days. Yet a man has risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. And I remember reading the next line, and please, this is what God wants for you. This is what he wants for you. He says, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And it sure was, wasn't it? She was prophesying to him. She turned a bloody man, a man, and he, and he, he talked about, you can, you can look the rest of the chapter there, it's worth, it's worth your time. But he was out to kill. And David was a killer too. But he, he, he took a look at her, and, you know, sometimes beauty, sometimes the gentleness can espouse the, uh, the fire and the hell that's in you. Sometimes that's a good thing, if you understand uh, what I mean. She stopped him. She stopped him with prophesy, prophecy. And, and, you know, when you, you speak to your husband and say, well, honey, I think ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, he hears that if it's coming from the Spirit of the Lord. And your prophecy and mine, you know, sometimes is the healthiest thing to, to prophesy to yourself. Please, don't. You're not God anymore. You thought you were. You're not. There's only one, and it's not you. So this, this girl helped him. He got a reset. He got a, a new avenue of, of what he was going to say. And, and listen, and the souls of thy enemies, and I think this got him too, that you shall sling out as of the middle of a sling. Now, let me say something. Uh, about that 
because in Acts 20, there's a line I want to pick up, and, and everybody here knows that, that Saul was going one way, and the Spirit of the Lord hit him with blindness and a declaration of what he was going to be. And I'm looking at a passage here in Acts 20. It's very short. And, and this is where, where you and I need to come in and, and say, God, how did he come to this place? How on earth did that man come to that? Acts 20, verse 22. He's talking to the church. He tells them that he's not going to see them ever again at one point. But he says in verse 22, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit. You know, before we go any further, I want to tell you something about being bound in the Spirit. When we get the idea, when we understand that, that we are connected to God and there is no disconnect to God, we will understand that we're bound spiritually to some place we've never seen. And there are a lot of young people in the room, and their attachments, the, the mystery of hearing from God and, and the understanding of being bound because God has, has locked them in. It's a lock-in. There are people, I, I ministered in the jail for some years, and I ministered to, to some individuals that were bound to narcotics, heroin, one of the worst things. That, uh, and and, and the, the individual called me on the phone once, and he said, Greer, please don't hang up. I'm, I just got back from the post office, and a guy had some powder. He put it under my nose. Don't, don't hang up. He said, it's the worst. It's the, I, I've never, it's been a long time since I've, and, and he, he, he saw and expressed the power of just a white package coming under his nose because he'd been there before. It's a horrible kind of addiction. And there are multitudes on the streets of America today, and they, they're giving them needles and supplying them. Individuals go down. When I was with, with, with my, my friend uh, Jesse and, and Peter, he was pointing out the, the guys who were distributing drugs. I don't know what it was. But, but the, the awful aspect of this killer Paul, I mean, he was on a whole different journey. And he was intensely on fire. And God had to meet him and change him. And he did. And he says, And now I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds difficulties, bondage perhaps, 
for him it was a jail sentence for sure. And afflictions abide me. But then he says this, but none of those things move me. And I know you've heard that. But think about how how he'd come to that. How did he get to that place? Because he was in another place entirely. I mean, when you're talking about that kind of courage, that doesn't come from man. Aristotle talked about courage. I think he might have known God. But, but for him to say, none of these things move me, and the next one is definitely a reset for you. It's definitely a reset for me. I have to come. I must come to a place where I don't count my life dear. You know, I, I, I turned my leg and I couldn't walk. I thought, my God, I can't stand. I was in so much pain. Oh, oh dear Bill, you know, I'll help you. People, well, somehow, you know, God is going to take you and he's going to take me. If, if we're going to arrive, if we're going to get home, he's going to put within us a fearlessness. I, I was, uh, I mean, you've heard me say this, and I don't want to talk about me, but, but the, the point is it was cowardice that, draw, that drove me into to a place where I wasn't afraid. I was so afraid of being a coward that I fought anybody or I did anything at a time because I saw that. You know, we hate and we can't, you can't generate. There's nobody in this room that can generate that kind of a thing. It can't be done. It has to come from God himself. If it doesn't come from him, we don't get it. And the only way there is to say, God, please, please, I don't like what I am. Set my heart the way it should be set. I want that change. And, <laughs> you know, I think fear existed. I think what drove Saul before was fear. And I think every, you know, someone said, well, do you believe, I, someone have asked me, do you believe that he didn't count his life dear to himself? Yeah, I do. I believe he came to a place where he said, if I die, I die. And I don't know. I think there are probably folks in the room that, would like to think that of themselves. But I don't know if there are any of us in here yet who cast our life, our survival here, or that we really believe enough. I mean, fear is a terrible master. It's a terrible master. The fear of death is one thing. It's a biggie. But, but the fear of uh, <laughs> you not being able to 
being in control of the direction of your life is another. Well, I've seen the substantial obstinacy in my spirit, and I hate it. But I also, do I hate it enough? And I, I, I can't, my hatred or my fire won't burn me into anything new. It has to be the fire and the consuming fire of God that wants to get rid of everything that's an offense. We were talking today, you know, about the wealth and the things here. Let me tell you, I don't know how much change I have in my pocket. I don't know if I have any here. But whatever it is, it's chump change. It's, what is that, a quarter, a nickel? I don't know what it is. But when we talk about how wealthy we are, it is puny. It is zero compared that God wants you to be at his right hand and that he wants you to receive an equal investment that he is giving to, to Jesus who had to learn to walk as Christ. He didn't come in as Christ. He had to grow up as Christ. And so do you and so do I. He wasn't God when he was here. He had to grow to the fullness of the statue of the Lord. And so do you, either on this side or the other side. And so do I. And, and it's a frightening prospect some days. You know, I see the, the, my limitations. But he said, I don't count my life dear unto myself so that I may finish my course. The finishing is a big deal. Turn to second, First Kings. You're, you're listening a little better tonight than sometimes. We'll get out of here before morning. In First Kings 17, uh, you know all about Elisha. And uh, he... <laughs> He said, there's not going to be any rain. You know all about that. And, uh, and <laughs> there shall not be any dew or rain these years, except I say so. And, uh, and then <laughs> that's in, in First uh, Kings 17, uh, verse 1. And in verse 2, I thought it was funny. Uh, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence and, and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. God tells him to go hide. I think that's a little strange, you know. But he was still being processed. Elijah, the, the, <laughs> the greatest prophet who walked on the earth before Christ. And then he says, he says this. This is the funny part. He says... Uh, uh, and, I, and, and hide thyself in the brook Cherith which is before Jordan and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee you know, I mean you know I, can you imagine a, somebody who's used to having decent food you know that's some uh, some delivery service I mean, God commanding the bir birds. I knew a little lady in Pasadena. I stood there looking through the trees. She would hold out her hand and bluebirds. Okay, they did. They landed in her hands. 
and just sit there and hit looking at her. And, and, and sometimes she had feet in one, and she'd put it in, in the hand, and the bird would back off enough and then pet at her hand. I'd go in, and, and I, <laughs> when they'd come in, they're gone. They, there was something in that little lady that I didn't have. And so God sends the birds. The food for the, this stuff is for the birds. I don't know how many times I've walked out of a restaurant. And said, I don't think so. But, and, and so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. In 1 Kings 18, there's another interesting thing. Because, and you know the story. It's, it's the time he, he says, the people are all gathered. And he said, I want you to watch this. And he said, Lord, let's, let, let me read it. Yeah, verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. That's a reset. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust. And you know very well, you've read the story, most of you. <laughs> he, he said, all right. The prophets of Baal are down there. Lock them up and kill every one of them. So he spent a good chunk of what was left of the morning after the fire episode killing Baal worshipers. He said, don't let any of them escape. Now, the next event is, <laughs> is an interesting thing because he... Uh, the word comes to Jezebel. Jezebel gets, she, she writes him a note, and he runs all a half a day's run. That's four hours. After having a big morning of bringing fire down from heaven, of, of going in and, 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 and butchering the, the Baal worshipers, then he, he runs. Why does he run? What is he afraid of? Fire came down from heaven. God sent <laughs> birds to feed him. But he still ran for his life. That's unusual. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I've asked myself at times, dear God, there has to be a greater rooted change within me. And it's not going to come with a, a, a few meetings here, a few meetings there. It's going to be because we lodge ourselves in front of God and say, Almighty God, I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. Help me. Help me, God. I, I'm living a religious lie. And I'm tired of any part of me that exists in resisting you. And I don't know how to go any further without you. I mean, he has to know your fears. He knows them anyway. But here you the greatest man who walked on the face of the earth in the Old Testament ran from Jezebel. And he had already prophesied, I think it was he or, or Jabel, that the dogs would eat her bones. But he was afraid. Fear is a terrible thing. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And what did Paul say to Timothy, who was, you know, 
I think a lot of things I've said, and I want to be soft on this. I really do. But I've used the word zombie a few times in here. Because I see people calcified and so stuck on themselves that they can't even say hello. They have a select little group that they might talk to. And it's sickening. It makes me puke when I see the individuals who don't have a friend and, 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 and individuals here could, could close that gap. But I know what it's like to be in fear. I know, I know what it's all about, and I know the, the captivating thing that it is. And I said it before, and please hear this. There are individuals in here who do not know how much they are loved because they come from broken homes, from psychological depths. And they don't know how to be friendly. They, they just don't. And we have some little babies who come, they come out of the woman. As soon as they walk, they're coming around to reassure that everything's going to be all right. They frame you as though you're wonderful. And where did they get it? I don't know. It's not that their folks are personality or are movie stars, but they just get it. And you, God said, my peace, I leave with you. He didn't give a suggestion. That's the truth. You have it. But you know, sometimes... He makes you go through so much, through so much, that you you wonder if it's ever going to be there. Anyway, Elijah, and I, I said this, one of the great coaches of all time, um, uh, Vince Lombardi, his guys were girl chasers. And they would stay up all night chasing girls. And Lombardi was funny one time at a meeting. And, and these are good-looking guys, too. And, uh, and, and he said, well, I wish they'd find them instead of walking around all night trying to get them. And he said, <laughs> he said, because fatigue makes cowards of us all. And he, he saw the guys coming in after being on all night. And he says, you guys are being paid too much, you know to uh, run around all night and you can't play today. That was Elijah. Elijah had, had a full, full day. And when he came to God, you know what he said? I'm as the same as my father's. That's what fear will do to you. I've been plagued with it at times. I know what it is, and it keeps you sequestered, not just, I mean, even on the earth. You know, sometimes, I mean, I know, because for a lot of years I said, dear God, why did you do this to me? I don't like people. I should not be a shepherd. I just don't lie like my people. I looked out one day, and I said, thank you, Lord. 
I'm just passed from death to life. I looked out, and, and the love of God was there. I don't mean I was finished, but I could see. And I believe the Lord, and I have ever since, and I've seen difficulty, but I know that God will provide. If there's a sinking place, and if, if, if you feel like tonight you're the lowest individual, you know, that you should be walking like Toulouse-Lautrec, you know, <laughs> waiting for a wheelchair, understand, understand that God has brought you out of many, many meters of hell to bring you up. And he never, ever is going to do anything to destroy you. You destroy yourself. You miss the accolades because I think the rewards are, are ahead for many. And, and somebody said to me, I, I'm not looking for a award. I just want to get there. You know. But it's fear, the fear that somebody might take away your crossword puzzle, your stamp collection, or, oh, no, your whatever it is. It's not, I don't think, that, I think there's a lot of people here are not afraid of, of death. I think that some of you would rather die than get up and speak. That's what they say. The greatest fear is just public speaking. I believed it for a lot of years. It looked like I never would get out of that fear. Say it with me. God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what? Love first. Why? Well, no. He gave you power first. You didn't love anybody like you should, until you had the power, until God told you how bereft and bankrupt you were. I didn't love anybody. I loved me a lot. And, 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 and we have to, have to see that. Because when Paul said, I don't count my life dear to myself, he had made a resolute change. He, he had heard the voice of, of, of a risen Christ. He couldn't be the same. God help us. God help us to cry for that. As we uh, head for a, a close, turn to Hebrews 2. You should spend a lot of time, everybody, especially the young people, go there. Go there, stay there, go backwards, read it sideways, upside down, across the hall, on the wall. Get Hebrews 2, because it says really what we're saying. We know that everything's under his feet. We don't see it yet. Right, okay. And that, that there is no such thing as death anymore. I've, I've pictured it. You know, I've, I've been, you know, I always played games as a kid with a little sword and ran around fighting weeds but <laughs> I even as a grown man I've pictured what would I say if they say you open your mouth you're going to a firing squad this afternoon I want to be able to look up and say there's no such thing as death because God has told me he's told me a lot of things and when I've said God I trust you in this he's backed 
what he's promised. He's not a liar. It's an imputed truth. It can't be changed. <laughs> he says that he, he tasted death in verse 9 there. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And it became him, verse 10, for whom all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Jesus suffered. For both he that sanctified and they that are sanctified are all of one. For which case, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you know that there are individuals in the church that will not say they are sons of God? Multitudes of our brothers who are. And they're missing out. And there are multitudes who don't even know him. And the promise is that, that we are called to be saviors. But we, I can't save anybody until I'm fully saved. I can't save anybody anyway. And neither can you. <laughs> but God says if you call out, I'll save you. But here's, here's what I, I, I want you to see it again and again and again. We just talked about it. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That, read this aloud with me, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. The power of death, the one who had the power of death, Satan who has the power of death, who lies to you, who shows you your past, who plays the clips, who gives you pictures of the filth that you've swum in. He's there to impose Upon your peace. He's a liar. He's a servant of God. He's a big dirty dog on a chain that all God has to do is say back. And all you have to do is submit to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee. So you're in bondage. To fear. Someone asked me, because I preached about my crying over turbulence. Well, the only thing I can say, do I like turbulence? No. I don't get in a plane and say, oh, goodness, I hope this plane just does topsy-turvy back to I No, I don't do that. But I have said, God, if you want to splatter me out there on the runway like a Vorschach blop, you can... Pick me up later. I, that's, that's kind of the, the extent of my prayer. I don't lie to him. He knows when you're pretending. Do you think us running around here with our Bibles, you know, with our logic-tight compartment Christianity, with my love of God and my verses and my quotations and all that stuff is going to move God? The hypocrite has no hope. The actor, our, our kids the other day were phenomenal. They were, honestly. I came in kind of wondering, you know, because I've done a lot of directing, a lot of that stuff, and especially speech. I drove our kids into the ground. 
You will win. You'll be the best. And I think they were wonderful, don't you? Yes. I, I thought they, you know, they, they'd gone through it many times. I, 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 I looked, I had a big, well, a small red pencil in my hand, and, and I read pencil stuff. But I, I couldn't find flaws. I couldn't. Didn't you think everybody was wonderful? Yeah, and there, there are a few, you know, who stood out a little bit, you know. I kind of felt sorry for Nora. She had to, they, they, they didn't give her a broom or anything like that, but, you know, she was good. She convinced me. I had, saw her a couple of days later, and I kind of shied away. But you, you have all that you need, but this family has had a, what did I call it? What was it? A reset. Sister Betty and I haven't done this for a while. We've been negligent. But we, when we went after each other and somebody was there, or even if they weren't, we'd say, could we, let's do that again, okay? And, and so she would say, excuse me, and she would be nice, and I would do my best to try. And, and we would do the, you know, you got a bad scene, let's run it again, you know. And, and so we would do that. But, you know, this love relationship, folks, you know who stands with us? The God who has the most powerful love story that's not finished. And we're recipients of it. There's nothing more powerful than the love of God. And if you'd say, God, give me the love for mankind. I want to be a lover instead of a, a checker and an analysis man of this stuff. I'm going to close with, with this thing. I've got a couple of lines and we're going to go home. In verse 15, that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death, who through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I, I don't want to be cruel, but the bondage, we've got to be under a bondage if there isn't more of an issuing of care and love that is palpable for one another. We, we, we should be approaching that in a greater measure. I, I believe it. I, I want to close with these two lines. I love them, and one of them I especially like. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll read that one first because it kind of spoke to me. Let me just quote one thing that God said. Um, well, hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me, from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age. Old people, do you hear that tonight? Even to your old age. And he goes, he says, even to the whore hairs will I carry you. That means gray hairs, I'm thinking. Uh, I have made and I will bear even I will carry you and will deliver you. That's what God's up to. 
and take some time, and maybe before bedtime, take a look at Isaiah 27. I water it every moment. He's talking about us. He's talking about all the sons, no matter where they are. And then this, the Lord your God that goes before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee even as a man does bear his son. In those days, the fathers did carry the little, little sons. And God, he said, he carried you all the way that you went until you came to this place. There's a period there. The rest of it, it says, then you still didn't believe him. That's not a good thing. But he concludes in, in Isaiah 27 with this. Uh, <laughs> my peace I leave with you when he talks about filling the earth with the glory of God the the assignment calls we had to have a reset we would have stayed spinning where we were around and around the pulpit around and around with this, around and around with the prophecy, the songs, same old, same old. And God help us reset because it's an everyday thing. You know, people, people like to say, well, Bill, you, you spent a lot of years out here, out there in, in Asia. You came out and talked to all the people. So What? You know, I mean, those years don't mean anything, you know, unless there's a change, a reset. I cannot live, you cannot live on all the wonderful things you did do. You couldn't have done them, you couldn't have got here without him. Bow your heads together, and let's close here tonight, please. Close your eyes, children. You too, you're a children yet, okay? You don't want me coming over there and proving it. We've got a wild soul, everybody in the place. Some don't look so wild. They keep it close out of human fear. God help us tonight. Uh, can we sing as we close, Sweep Over My Soul? Lead us in that song as we keep our eyes closed before the Lord. Would you do that? You're a singer, uh, Gabriel. Do you know the song? Sweep over my soul, sweet spirit.
Lord, we know every day is different. Give us the guts to ask you to give you all of it day by day that we may demonstrate, prove the evidence that your will is our desire. We say these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue to pray. We'll keep you posted on our brother who fell today. I hope he's okay so I can joke with him. Let's be dismissed. It truly is worth it.